Can you hear me? Yes, great. Cool. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm going to start, start with a scripture. It's from Isaiah. And um, I think we need to know the ways of God. A lot of times we're looking to see his deeds. We want to see miracles. We want to see healing. We want to see this and that. But sometimes we need to know his ways. What I mean is why he does something, where he's moving, and, and to understand the ways of God. Even Moses said it in, um, in uh, Exodus 33. He said, said, Lord, you know, show me your ways so that I can grow in favor with you. And, and there's something about knowing the ways of God that really help us in our Christian life. And that's kind of what I want to talk about this morning is just one of the ways of God. And it's one we don't really talk about a lot, but I think we experience it a lot. Now, Israel, before I read the passage, just a little background. Israel was just getting ready. They're going to go into captivity for seven years. They're going to be kicked out of their homes, out of their land, and it's going to be quite rough. And, you know, God gave them the law. He gave Israel the temple. He gave them the land. He, his presence was among them. But they just couldn't carry it. They couldn't carry all that God gave them. They couldn't carry it through. They didn't have the strength to do that. They didn't have the moral fiber to do it. They had the kingdom, they had the prize, but they didn't have the spiritual maturity to carry it. So they were going into exile. God was gonna exile them for 70 years from their homes and their lands. Sounds harsh, but God has a good plan in this. The Israelites viewed the exile as a major failure. They, they looked at the 70 years of going into Babylon as a rejection from God. But God had another view. He was looking at it from another lens. And this is what I'm going to read here. Here's what God says about it. Isaiah 28, 23. Listen and hear my voice. Pay attention and hear what I say. When a farmer plows for planting, does he plow continually? And we would answer no. Does he keep on breaking up and working the soil? No. When he has leveled the surface, does he not sow caraway and scatter cumin? Does he not plant wheat in its place, barley in its plot, and spelt in its field? His God instructs him and teaches him the right way. Or in other words, God teaches the farmer. Caraway is not threshed with a sledge, nor is the wheel of a cart rolled over cumin. Caraway is beaten out with the rod and cumin with a stick. Grain must be ground to make bread, so one does not go on threshing it forever. The wheels of a threshing cart may be ruled rolled over it, but one does not use horses to grind grain. All this also comes from the Lord Almighty, whose plan is wonderful, whose wisdom is magnificent. The idea God teaches the farmer, and what he's teaching the farmer, he wants us to know because the way he works with the farmer is the way he works with us. Let, let's pray. And dear Father, Almighty God, 
We, we love your word. We love your truth. We love you. We love your presence. We love everything about you. Make us people that can carry more, Lord, and not falter or fall under the weight of your glory. In Jesus, in your holy name, amen. Amen. You know, I, I, I worked for a farmer one year in Kansas when I was living in Kansas. This was before I was a Christian, but I was still able to work. <laughs> I was stoned on drugs every day, but it, all I had to do was sit on a tractor and plow all day, so, so that's what I did. It, it was about 12 hours a day from the time you get up, time you went to bed. But, but I, I loved it. I loved it. Kansas is flat. Kansas is great. It's the gateway to Oz. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> but but I, dry, I drive the tractor and plow the field. But there was a time when I had, we stopped plowing and we didn't plow anymore. Then we would harrow the field. We just plowed. And that's where you put this other thing on the back of the tractor. I don't even know what it's called. But it had spikes in it. It broke up all the clogs, you, you know, all the, yeah, the clogs and lumps of dirt. Called it harrowing. And then we'd go over the fields and we'd level it out. But we didn't do that forever or all summer. We did it till it was done. And this is what God is saying. When I work with you, I do it for a season. And I know when to start and I know when to stop. Then we would plant the wheat. Because that's what they grow in Israel. You, you know, in the autumn, it, it is just so beautiful. Because when you know... You probably don't know the American song, the Americans will, you know, the amber waves of grain for Purple Mountain's majesty, but it was just amber waves. You just see it when it blows, the wind blows on the grain. It was just yellow, and you just see the waves over the fields. Loved it. Um, and then you plant, you, you know, you plow, you break up the clogs, you plant, and then you wait. And the waiting is probably the hardest part, but then you reach the goal and you get the fruit, you get the grain, the mature grain. And God in Isaiah here has given us a very simple message of his ways and how he deals with his children. And some of us may be filling the blade of the plow, you know, and, and, and it hurts. Th thing, things aren't, aren't going well and you feel things stirring up inside of you, a lot of times that's God and he's plowing the field. God is breaking up the hard ground in our heart and in our life and in our mind and we don't like it because it's painful. It's a very difficult season to go through. I feel God has been plowing all over the world right now. I don't know if you see it in everything that's going on. We feel it and we cry out when it happens to us and we say, no, Lord, no, Lord, stop, Lord, stop. I can't face it then God would just say, hey, my grace is sufficient. I won't be plowing forever. And I'm working towards a goal to bring fruit and to bring a harvest in your life. My grace is sufficient, but I will finish the job I started as he digs another furrow. One thing I see in all of this, what Isaiah is saying is, is our suffering and our pain for us as Christians is never random and it's never meaningless. It's always leading to a goal. Sometimes the grain has to be broken
to bring the life out of it. My, the best day of the year during that year working for that farmer was one day, uh, I'll remember I was on a tractor and, and you know, sunflowers grow in Kansas, they're weeds. They just grow everywhere. And I had to mow down this whole field of weeds, which was just big sunflowers. And, and I spent the whole day doing that on a tractor. I love sunflowers, they're my favorite flower. I don't know why I love mowing them down, but it's just good being in that, in that field. But then where I was at in Kansas, there was this big chain link fence by this field. And on the other side of that chain link fence was a game preserve. So what do they have in the middle of a Kansas game preserve? Buffalo. And it just happened the day I was doing all of that with the sunflowers, the whole herd of buffalo were just like a foot from that fence on the other side, just grazing there, about a hundred of them. So I was doing the sunflowers, looking over. It was a bright, sunny day, and these buffalo were over there. I remember a famous man once said, I'd give $3 right now for a pickled buffalo tongue, but that's... <laughs> But this is true. And then we have bald eagles in Kansas, and a bald e eagle was circling overhead. And I just thought, this is just so perfect. It was a gift from God before I even knew him way back then. But the learning the ways of God, it's the way the plowing is the way he worked with Israel. It's the way he works with all his congregations. It's the way he works with us. As individuals, it's the way he works with Journey Community Church. It's the way he works with Bethel and the people there. It's the way he works today. God taught the farmer. The farmer has something to teach us city slickers, I think, although I think we have some farmers here. Have you listen, ever listened to the rock group Queen? I'm sure you have. You know the song, We Want It All. First verse. An adventure seeker on an empty street, just an alley creeper, light on his feet, a young fighter screaming with no time for doubt, with the pain and anger, can't see a way out. It ain't much I'm asking, I heard him say, gotta find me a future, move out of the way. Then comes the chorus. Are you ready? Did you bring your candles? <laughs> Let it rip. I want it all. Let's sing. I want it all. I want it all, and I want it now. Come on. I want it all. I want it all. Isn't this our cry? I want it all, and I want it now. I want it all. Stand up. Let's do it. I want it all. I want it all, and I want it now. Lord Jesus, we love you. It's kind of a funky prayer, isn't it? You know, I often hear that prayed in our prayer meetings. Even before the service, someone stood here and said, we want it all praying this morning. More God. Isn't that the cry of our hearts in this church? More God. We want more. We want more power more love, more of you in our lives. We want more breakthrough, Lord. Don't stop. We want more. We are hungry 
congregation, and we're always asking for the more, more of your presence, Lord, more activation of your gifts in our, in our lives, more breakthroughs, more anointing of your Holy Spirit. Take us deeper. Give us a double portion. As a matter of fact, Lord, we want it all. We want it all. And we would like it all now. But then as time goes on, we sit back and we wonder, why isn't it happening as quickly as we would want it to? Why don't I have the greatest anointing in my life right now? Well, I believe scripturally God would say, it's not all happening right now because we aren't strong enough or mature enough to carry it all right now. Is this making some sense? But he says, but I taught the farmer how to plow and I know what it takes to mature you. I taught the farmer how to harrow and break up the clogs in your life. I taught the farmer how to do that. I plant the seed in your heart and then I watch it grow, but it takes time. He said, I taught the farmer and I'm teaching you how to grow in your faith, how to be stable and to grow in love and patience so you could carry the greater anointing and the greater things I wish to do in your life and through you as a congregation and as an individual. No, I'm not saying God hasn't given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness because the New Testament says he has. He held nothing back. The cross did it all. And the blood of Christ cleansed it all. And the love and grace of God covers it all. Every single sin and failure by his stripes, we know his wounds, we are healed. So why do we keep asking to go deeper and asking for more or crying out for a spiritual breakthrough, a greater anointing and a double portion. Why do we do this when God has already given us everything we need? And here's the reason. At, at times, a greater anointing of the Holy Spirit requires an adjustment in our heart and our mind so we can carry it the greater weight of glory. Glory in the New Testament, the, made, the main definition is weight, a heaviness, a spiritual heaviness, the glory. We need to be stronger to carry it, more mature to carry it. And we see so many who try to carry it and, the, and all of a sudden they're elevated and then they fall because they weren't able to carry it through. Is this making some sense? It's the same with the Israelites. We can only bear so much glory, and God's continually plowing in our lives, digging up things. He's breaking up the clogs. He's doing it all so we could carry more. And, and it's an ongoing pattern. God wants us to ask him for more. He wants us to be hungry. He, and he answers our prayers, but oftentimes he does it in a way we don't expect. Instead of opening up the package for us, he reaches for the plow. Then he breaks up the clogs, all the little things in our lives. And then he plants the seed. God taught the farmer and he wants us to learn from it. You know, the, the last two months I have found really hard. And, and what I find and where it really hits me is in my quiet times each morning. When I start to pray and reading 
And, and this past two months, it just, my mind is being bombarded with things I haven't forgiven that I thought I did. My mind it was being bombarded barded with so many of, of my failures. And I've had many embarrassing moments in, in my life, as you could probably guess. And, and, and you know, that kept coming up in, in, in my mind and I was fighting it off for the, I mean, for the last two months, it hasn't been easy in that. It has been a battle. You, you know, one of the th things was what came to my mind is something I hadn't thought about in 40, 50 years. When I was about 14, I, re I remember this, this guy came up and asked me if he could borrow 25 cents because he wanted to go buy some cigarettes. That's how much they were back then. So I gave it to him as my last 25 cents. At the age of 14, it meant a lot. But he never did pay me back. And that started coming to my mind, all those little things. When I went to boot camp, my mom gave, threw away all my comic books. She wasn't mean. She just didn't value them like I did. It's just little things like that, but it kept coming up. And I was just thinking, I really need to forgive these people. And I started forgiving, but God was working in that way. And a lot of times we could think, well, the devil's the accuser of the brethren. That's the devil doing all of these things. But sometimes it's God plowing in our heart. Sometimes it's him strengthening us from the inside. Two weeks ago, I, I believe God spoke to me, and, and when, when I realized what was going on, it freed me. I know it may not sound like much to you of what I'm, I'm talking about. I didn't go to all the detail, but this is what I believe he said. He said, Richard, I have been plowing your field so you can carry more of my tangible presence and anointing without falling into pride or stumbling under the weight my presence will put upon you. And this is what I felt he was saying to me. And that just freed me up. And I just said, keep it up, Lord. Plow another furrow, whatever it takes. You know, I could see the suffering or all of that is not wasted. It's not random. And it wasn't the devil. That word of understanding, there's freedom with it. And hopefully this morning it will bring some freedom to us. And this is why I'm speaking about this today, is, is because basically this is what I've been going through. I am in the process. God taught the farmer, and he's also teaching me, and he's also teaching us of his ways. But oftentimes when the plow comes, we try to kick it away. Oh, brother, the devil's out to get me. You ever hear that? Oh, Lord, help me. Please pray for me. Make him go away. Make him go away. But consider sometimes it's just God's answer to our prayer for more. I want more of you, God. And God is saying, okay, you can have more manifestation and my presence, but I got to do a work in you that you'll be able to carry it without falling on the way. And you know, we often, like I say, hear the stories of moral failures and Christian leaders and, and some of the things that go on and it really saddens us. And we think, but for the grace of God, so go I. And there's no simple answer to why it happens. Like Israel, they just didn't have the strength or maturity to carry what God had for them. But I'm learning not to rebuke the devil every time God picks up the plow. 
not to curse the devil every time kind God's coming to break up the clogs in my heart or in my life. In Kansas, we also have a thing called cheater wheat, we call it. And, and it's on the fields, on the side of the field where it's not been plowed, and then in the side of the field where the clogs haven't been broken up, where some of the seed gets thrown, wheat will grow up there. And the wheat on the side of the road looks just like the wheat. There's even a parable about that. It, it, it looks just, just like the wheat in the field. It, you know, you go through the field and you rub the wheat, and then you have a handful of grain. With the cheater wheat on the side of the road, you pick it up and roll your hands, and you look, and there's nothing there. It, it, it looks the same, but there's nothing there. There's no substance. There's no maturity. There's no mature grain. I don't want to be cheater wheat. I don't want to look like everybody and, ha and have the outward thing, but, but not able to carry the real fruit in my life. And I pray, Lord, whatever you are doing in my life, let it have its perfect work because I do want more. I think we'd all say that, I want it all. I want it all. The Lord even said about, about this seed business, he said, said some, some where the seed is sown, you know the, the parable, but it says some people bring forth 30% of a harvest, some 60%, some 100%. I want to be a 100%er. Don't know if I have enough time to do it. I wish I lived like Methuselah to 960, but that, that's what I want. But to have it, I gotta say, amen, Lord. If it takes the plow, let it come. Hebrews 12, five. Have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his child? It says, my child, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone. And he chastens everyone and he plows everyone and he breaks up the clogs in everyone he accepts as his child. Endure hardship as discipline. God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And sometimes we look around and perhaps tempted to say, why don't they ever get it as hard as I do? Why do they always look like they're, they're living with the <clears throat> the golden magic wand in their hand, and here I am suffering all the time. Why don't they get it as hard as I do? But we also saw in this passage of Isaiah that God taught the farmer to treat seeds and crops differently according to how much the seed can, 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 can take. He said the really small seed, you don't take a big hammer and smash it all the time, but, but you thrash it softly or the wheat that, that needs to be broken 
broken for the corn. Well, then you put more weight on that. And God is saying, that's the way I deal with you. I deal with you according to who you are. And it's perfect and it's wise and I know how to do it. And you may say, why don't, don't they ever get crushed with a grinding stone like me? They just seem to get a little tap on the hand. Well, as Isaiah said, some need a club over the head. It also says that in Proverbs. Some need a club over the head. Others just need a gentle whisper. Where are you at? I used to need a club over the head. I'm hoping I'm getting better. We are all different. The Apostle Paul needed a club over the head, and he was getting that club all his life. Mary, she just needed to hear the whisper of an angel. But the goal is the same for us all. Maturity to carry more, the more, the more we are asking for. That's the goal. He doesn't want us to stumble under the weight of his glory and the things he's given us. He doesn't want us to shipwreck on the way. He's plowing up the pride. He's breaking up the clogs of immorality, sin, or unforgiveness. As Isaiah said, all this also comes from the Lord Almighty whose plan is wonderful, whose wisdom is magnificent. You okay? Most of us here in the Western world, <clears throat> probably our biggest problem is between the plowing and the harvest or between the planting and the harvest because that is the long wait. That, that, that seems like the neutral time. That, that seems like the time when nothing is happening and, and we're waiting for something to happen. It's, it's that time where we have to keep our faith and passion alive. So what do we do to do during the season between, between the planting and the harvest? Well, the answer is there in the Bible, and it's very simple and practical. Britain holds a monopoly on it. I, I think, I don't know if they realize, realize that they were speaking biblical truth. What do we do in that time between the planting and the harvest? Keep calm and carry on. That's exactly it. Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A person reaps what they sow. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And here's the main part. Let us not become weary in doing good. Let us not be weary in between the prayer for more and the harvest and the answer. Let's not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those of the family of believers. And what he's saying here is through it all, be calm and carry on, but it's stay in the Holy Spirit. You may not see a whole lot going on, but keep yourself abiding in the Holy Spirit. 
Don't gravitate towards the flesh. Continue to do good. Do good. Continue to serve and be patient and abide in Christ. Keep the faith. Trust God. Don't run ahead of him or shake off his hand of discipline and call him at the devil. <clears throat> it may, this may be going too far. I remember when I first started preaching, I, I didn't, wasn't preaching on this passage, but it was the idea of sometimes the suffering that comes, sharing in the suffering of Christ. And I was saying a lot of times we just want to get rid of it so quickly when there are times when probably we just need to kiss the hand that's holding the plow and say thank you because you're going for a greater harvest. You're going for the more that I have been asking for. And I need the spiritual maturity to handle the miraculous, the wonders that he's leading us all to walk in without stumbling before the finish line. Simple message. This is the way I want to end. I hope that someday I could pray like Jesus prayed at his last prayer in John 17, 4. He said to God the Father, he said, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And may that be our testimony. But it'll probably take some plowing for us to get there. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Let's stand even. We'll still pray. Lord, we want it all. Lord, we want it all. We don't want to walk a mediocrity in mediocrity or a mediocre life. Oh, Lord, we want it all. We want all your plans, all the things you do, and we just say, do it, Lord. We open ourselves up. We were praying. We lift our hands and lay down our lives. Lord, that's what we say. Do your work and help us, help us not to faint on the way. Almighty God. Do your work and give us discernment to see what's of you and what's of the devil's attack so we can make the difference, Lord, when we choose your hand. We, we welcome you, Lord. In your holy name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Praise God.